Hey, Woody. Yes. Where, 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 where's Darren? Did you forget to send him the Zoom link? Darren deserves a week off. <sighs> okay, well, then our starting goaltender's out this week, so I'm going to skate in from the bench. The place I know best is a goaltender, Woody. And I'll take the crease and see if I can get our team a couple of points before our All-Star returns next week. Welcome to the InGoal Radio Podcast, episode 204, presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley and thehockeyshop.com. Why are you looking at me like that? Because it's episode 203. This is why we leave you on the bench, buddy. Is it really? Time flies when you're having fun, I assume? I don't know. Maybe just because uh, for a change, we actually have episode 204 in the can, the interview done, the, the gear segment done, and you are so shocked that it has absolutely throwing you off completely that i am actually ahead on guests for a change there you go so so we have some real numbers some analytics to prove why i'm the backup and not the starter uh i'm david hutchison here once again with kevin woodley our workhorse starter darren millard is enjoying a well-earned all-star break and why not he's definitely this podcast all-star woody we've got a great show for you this week with carter hutton stopping by for our feature interview presented by sensorina Another great interview with insights and information, I thought, especially for young goalies and coaches, Woody. And in our gear segment from the hockey shop, Cam is going to walk Woody through the ins and outs of profiling your blades. This is why we leave you on. Did you bring it? So I got to start that bit again. You're right. It's the pro chesty. Did you read your back? Did you did you come in with your backup stick and your backup brain? Oh, I'm not leaving this bin. I'm not leaving this in. (laughs) You're doing a good job at chirping me. That's twice I've made this mistake too, Uh, isn't it? No, no. It's just because, like, honestly, like it is because we so rarely do we have two in two in the can. Maybe I will leave this in. Who knows? Anyway, in our gear segment from the hockey shop, Cam and Woody are going to look at the Bauer pro chesty yeah because everybody and this is a reminder folks uh there's a bunch of new gear coming into the hockey shop the hockeyshop.com right now and last week we had the true catalyst px3 pads they got a big shipment of that in lots of different colors uh lots of different sizes make sure you check them out online or call cam if you've got any questions when we were filming that video in the comments on the YouTube, someone was like, do I spot a Bauer Pro Chesty in the background? There better be a review coming. Well, guess what? We already had it ready to go. Um, sorry to make you wait for it, but it's going to be here today. Uh, I got to say, like, there's more of those coming. There's more PX3 coming. And this one, this one we're going to redo in the coming weeks a Warrior G6 overview. Because there's a bunch of that in stock. And I know there are some big fans of the Warrior line that have been wondering about, you know, with the the the, the plastic polycarbonate the slide, plates, slide yeah. plate on the knee. We did a full review. We teased it like, it feels like a year ago. And the inventory just never showed up. And there's a good story there. Trust me, you're going to want to hear that when we do the review in the next couple of weeks um, on the podcast. But just for people that have been looking for that, because it has been hard to find. It's in stock now at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. And not just pro and senior, but intermediate and junior pads. And yes, right down to the junior, they have the plastic slide plate. So for kids that sort of struggle with going east-west, it'll be a little bit of a helper there. So um, PX3 is brand new in store. G6, as much as it doesn't feel like it's a new line, 
Uh, in terms of availability, it somewhat is, and they've got that in store. And of course, as we get to now, the Bauer Pro chest protector and custom options that you can get from the Bauer line. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're here in Goalie Utopia, Cam's Crease, Cam's Corner. A uh, little slice of goalie heaven. One more Cam thing. In the corner of a 34,000 square foot store that is basically hockey heaven. And today is my Cam's favorite, goalie heaven. favorite day, Cam. I have to say It's it. dress up day. I get to wear something new and different. I spotted this on the wall and I was like, Hmm. What's that? <laughs> so, Cam, what am I wearing? Uh, I don't know. The sound you just made, too. What was that? But what uh, are you wearing? <laughs> when we play dress up, I have fun. I like dress up day. Come on. If we look over here, we can see something we've talked about in the past, but never really been able to show off an example of. This is the Bauer Pro Series chest protector. Something that's available at Custom. Um, I actually have a few, well, a couple stock units in store, so it's something to actually physically check out. So it's like, you know what? Why don't we talk about this? Because we have it. So, And most people don't know what it is, which is why I was so curious. So, Cam, what is the Bauer Pro Series chest protector? Something old is new again. Once again, Bauer 195. We're talking like 2007, I think, off the top of my head. Ooh, 2008. Was, so, story time with Kevin. Oh, here we go. This is a popular unit. Was recently having a chat back and forth with leading Vezina Trophy candidate this year, Linus Allmark. And in part of the back and forth, I think he like, basically said this was like his favorite one of all time, the old 195. And it's a good play because a lot, a lot, and I'm talking about a lot of European goalies um, were chasing that old 195 build, continually asking Bauer for it. So it's something that's always existed as this kind of like ghost custom unit that popular pro. Yeah, correct. It, Again, you know, retail not, not didn't have access to anymore, but correct, correct. But retail never really had access to it um, until Bauer came out with their custom program for their chest protectors a couple of years ago. So, yes, so this, this is right. normally something that you could come through Cam and order through the custom program. He just happens to have some in stock right now if you don't want to wait or go through the design process. Correct. Correct. So, so walk me through for those that are younger than you and I and don't remember 2007. <laughs> I have trouble remembering 2007 myself, but that's for a very different reason. What was it that made this chest protector so popular? Stand up for a second. So there, that works better. The wrap that this unit kind of created and its segmentation in the body allowed for a lot of flexibility as you were tilting forward over yourself without the chest protector binding and riding up. So this yeah, it really is, moves. It doesn't, it doesn't turtle shell on me. Correct, correct. Well, still offering some great size to the unit, these hard, hard sh plastic shoulder claps that A, add a little bit to your profile and then, but also create supreme protection. Like you're not getting cracked in the shoulder and getting hurt through this unit, for example. So that was one of the big selling features, especially to those pro guys, is that once again, any of that rising shoulder shot or anything like that, you were covered, you were protected, you were safe. Um, Arms, like still some right, good flexibility. Yeah, like right out of the box. Um. In custom, we have the ability to either A, beef these up, or completely change them to something else. 
So you, you mean could like put, uh, Hyperlite or uh, like mock arms, for example. So again, there's a little bit of a b ability to mix and match here. Um, obviously, I have the say, custom program. Again, one reason it's probably not going to be ever NHL legal. Like the one part I love about these older arms, you got how squared off they are. Correct. Like from a blocking surface standpoint. If you face camera for a second and go to go seal that up, you can see how that top floater comes in. Yeah, it's not hitting your arm and skipping into the net, folks. That's nice and squared off and, and headed somewhere else. I like that. Correct. So once again, great size to the unit. Great overall protection level, great shape. Um, a little bit more rudimentary in terms of its adjustability. It's basically just two straps held on by the shoulders, and that kind of brings the body up along with the arms a little bit, or lets it out, depending on your personal preference. Uh, that all said, though, this is one of those units that put it on, it fits properly. You, you're going to have a great unit. Uh, and it's, once again, it's always been a little bit of this kind of unicorn. Like I said, I have an example here in the shop, but. You can always custom order one for you at any time. You can give me a call at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. You can chat about it. See, I was happy. I was smiling. It was dress up day. And now there's unicorns. It's like I'm five again. That 2007 was a rough time for you, eh? <laughs> if you got any questions about Bauer's custom program with the chest protectors or this beautiful unit make sure you give cam a call he gave you the numbers check them out at thehockeyshop.com because they've got these in stock you'll be able to find them online as well correct thanks kevin woody i know you stocked up on your old reebok chesties because you like to be big in the net you must have been tempted to pull out the credit card when you were trying on the bauer pro chesty yeah they only have a few in inventory right now but like i said there's supposed to be some more coming and as cam said you can custom order this and you can actually get kind of fancy with it um you know it's funny i was talking i think i mentioned it in the review um and if i didn't maybe i should be careful here to an nhl goalie that just wishes they could go back and get the old bauer 195 and that's pretty much what this is based off. And you can see uh, it's it's pretty damn comfortable. If you, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see. So I would then highly recommend you go check up the YouTube review so you can see it on us and see some of the features, just how big it presents, how comfortable it is, how mobile it is. Um, I'm still sticking with my CCM Premier OG style, um, the Carey Price MVP year. Uh, when he had it, nobody else could get it except us at Ingle. I've been in love with that ever since, and maybe not just because of the exclusivity, but because of how well it moves and how big it fits. Um, but yeah, like uh, there's something to be said for uh, I'm not a big old school guy. You're not going to see any pad stacks or, you know, like old school toe up skate saves out of me. Uh, but when it comes to gear, we've talked about this before, like like before the uh, the golf rules regulated wedge grooves have a little less grip to them like i stocked up on old wedges so i could spin it around the greens same thing with chest protectors that fit feel and present well well there might have been a custom order placed in this house that involves the bauer pro chesty not too long ago so i'll let you know what uh Ooh. what we think when something comes in in vancouver giants burgundy but uh, anyway, as we record this on Friday, February the 3rd, it's the all-star break. And I think the skills competition is going later this afternoon. What are you looking forward to about it, Woody? Okay, so first of all, buckets. Um, I have liked some of the some of the lids I've seen. Andre Vasilevsky's is in particular. Uh, uh, look, I went cam there in particular. Like <laughs> That's right. 
I haven't heard that from him in a while. Cam's yeah. changed that one up. Yeah, because I got that out of him, and now it's like it's like a disease. It's jumped over to me. I do like that one with the. Uh, I mean, all sort of Miami Vice theme, um, but I love the I love the addition of the pink shades on his traditional lion on the forehead. So, uh, great job there by uh, Sylvie. Um, Dave Freed had a really cool one. Sort of a lot of neon looks going with Logan Thompson. There's some. That bright all-star jersey they're going to wear. Uh, Connor Hellebuck's got one that ties into that. Looks like he's got some custom twigs from True coming in and match yeah. that as well. So um, I like that. Like, you can have fun with it, right? Like, have the gear is going to be fun. It's going to be loud. It's Miami. It's going to be neon. Uh, I saw Vasilevsky's talk about it. But what I'm really looking forward to and a little nervous about, because I think there's a there's a potential cringe factor here, the Discover NHL 10D Tandem. All eight goaltenders are participating in the event, but only one gets to stop pucks. The other is shooting. So based on how, and it's like an accuracy shooting contest. I'm not sure whether they're going length of the ice, trying to score in an empty net like they did with Mike Smith years ago, or whether this is going to be like target shooting the same way the players do accuracy shooting. So we're not sure there yet. But based on how your partner does shooting the puck, the other guy in the partnership, so by division, then has to face rush chances. And if they do well, it's just a breakaway. If they do so-so, it's a two-on-o. If they crap the bed in the shooting, your partner's got to face the three-on-o. And it'll be the PWHPA shooters um, that that are taking the shots. Alex Carpenter, Hillary Knight, Emily Clark, Rebecca Johnson, Sarah Nurse. Um, so I'm very fascinated to see how this goes. I'm trying to figure out who... Get, I saw a really fun back and forth... Uh, Credit to my other employer, NHL.com. Dan Rosen did a great job with a back and forth between Igor Shesterkin and Ilya Sorokin, who, of course, have to choose because they're on this, they're in the same division and they're partners. So one of them shoots, one of them stops Pox. And Sorokin sort of playfully insisting that he should be the one shooting when we've seen Shesterkin just inches from a couple of empty netters already in his career. We've seen all the apples he gets. The, the kid can chuck it. So Igor Shesterkin. Not so thrilled with Ilya Sorokin insisting that he should be the shooter. Um, really fun and back and forth piece. I, I, I'd suggest people check it out at NHL.com. Pretty much a no-brainer to me. Shesterkin's your shooter in that tandem. But who are you going with in the Connor Hellebuck UC Soros mix, Hutch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just hoping that maybe we see a good uh, spirited game of rock, paper, scissors to find out who gets to shoot when they when they do this out on the ice. But how about... Uh, your old buddy Roberto Luongo making an appearance within the pads too. Yeah, I'm thinking he might regret this one pretty quickly. I think he's already said he's regretting this one pretty quickly. Yeah, they played the alumni game and everyone was looking for him to be in net. Not a chance that he was in <laughs> net for the alumni game. He was playing out. Um, I'm curious to see what he breaks out. How about Roberto going on Twitter and asking fans which mask they want to see? The old school Pink Panther or the new, the last one he wore was sort of the the bold new logo and the and the gold sort of gold flake on it. I I, I voted go, for the Panther. Uh, me too, a hundred percent. I loved yeah. it when that was a part of every like that was iconic, right? Like like Lundquist mask with the statue, like with Lady Liberty. Um, yeah, I wish he'd stuck with it. Yeah, the Pink Panther should have stayed here in Vancouver even even when he when he got traded. So um, I'm voting that one. Now he's kind of hinted that there might be a special set of gear coming out. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm looking at the first ever copy of Goalie News Magazine with Roberto Luongo, the cover feature. Some my, old my, co-hos, maybe? My first time ever writing 
about goaltending and I'm looking at a set of gorgeous yellow and white cohos. And I know there were some that mixed in red as well. Like if Lou throws back to the old cohos, I might like all the gear nerds <laughs> in the world might just absolutely lose it. I'm excited to see what happens. I'm a little worried for the NHL though, because if it's, if it's the shootout he's in, they had to go to some pretty weak goaltender so they could guarantee some goals going in with these guys so if you got a hall of famer in net we might not be seeing a whole lot of shots but i'm sure we'll see a lot of comedy because he's got a heck of a sense of humor okay hold, hold on hold on who are you talking about like the bad goaltenders for the breakaway this is our friend well, Kane, not, Kane, not this Kane, year Kane not van, this year i think we might see some kane van gate and some nick the goalie in there well then for sure there'll be no goals that's right because people forget like people like to chirp there's other sort of instagram personalities that like to chirp kvg what I don't think a lot of them realize, there's one guy in particular that really likes to rip on him who has yet to play at a level that KBG played at in terms of actually being on a roster at a Div 1 school. And yeah, he didn't play. He was the third goalie at Bowling Green. But like, I know NHLers that played against him so, and played with him on that team. So it's kind of funny how he gets chirped, the alter ego. But the actual, the guy behind KBG can play. He, he can play and he could play at a pretty high level. Uh, Nick, the goalie is awesome. Works for Sportsnet here locally in Vancouver. So super excited for him. A little bit jealous, I'm going to admit, but super excited for him to be down uh, in Fort Lauderdale in Florida for the All-Star Game festivities. Uh, seen some of the behind the scene seals, uh, sorry, behind the scene reels, easy for me to say, uh, with him and some of the other quote unquote influencers that are down there as guests of the NHL. I'm kind of hoping we get to see them as part of the All-Star Game festivities. We you mentioned it. They don't like to put the NHL goalies in the breakaway relay type stuff. And, and so they're always looking for targets, victims at times. So let's see if that ends up being our friends, Nick and uh, KVG. Well, notice to anybody at the National Hockey League who is listening right now, when the shooters get shut down by KVG and Lou, you know, you can always reach out to Kevin Woodley next year and you'll be guaranteed a flood of goals. Yeah, and my like I don't need blue M and M's or like you know, like my rider is basically just I need a backup stick for warm ups, and that's it. There you go, and we won't let Darren Millard be part of it next year either. No, he's I mean, too just, good. He's too good. He yeah. knows what it's like to face NHL shooters. He had actually mix, I, he might mix in a save, whereas I would not. Yeah, I'd be willing to bust out my old Cooper Brown gear if I got a chance to come out there for NHL shooters, but. uh I think I'd probably be too chicken. Oh, 100%. Those guys are brave. I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of like, this is going to be funny because we're recording this. And by the time a lot of people listen to this, because it'll launch right before the game, they've probably seen this. So fascinating to see which way it goes. I, I, you kind of you kind of bailed on me there when I was asking. Uh, Hellebuck Saros, I think we got to go, you know, with all due respect to Connor, maybe not the strength, the shooting. So Saros is shooting that one and Connor stopping shots. Linus Allmark and Andre Vasilevsky. I, I don't know. I, I, back, back it up, though. Okay, like, okay. Back it up, though. Because if it ends up being a three-on-O rush, wouldn't you like East-West UC Saros in the net for it? Yeah. Because he's quick. Like the, Helly's the best. He, Helly's the best in the game one-on-one. UC might be the quickest East-West outside of maybe Andre and, 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 oh, man, just Eric and, and, man, there's a lot of good goalies. There's a lot lost. of good guys. So we'll see which way that one goes. Now, here's here's another one for you. Linus Almark, who just missed an empty net at the outdoor game, or Andre Vasilevsky. I got to be honest, I haven't seen Vasilevsky. 
geez, I can't talk today. I haven't seen Vasilevsky chucking the puck around as much in practice just because I don't, I haven't had a chance to see him in practice, but mm. I have a funny feeling he might be better than we think. So I'm curious which way that one goes, who's shooting and who's stopping in that one. Again, I want to see Vasi and net if it turns into a three on O because you're going to see a behind the back glove save probably. And it's well worth it. Ooh, yeah, I can handle that now. Yeah, So it's not always about picking the shooter. That's true. But last one. That's right, because if you pick a bad shooter, you're going to get more highlights in the saves because they got to face go. more. They got to face the three on out. Stuart Skinner and Logan Thompson, the all rookie goaltending tandem out of the Pacific Division, never before happened. Uh, it's been a long time since we've had one rookie. We got two rookies at this one. Skinner and Thompson. I, I'm thinking Stu probably got some lessons from Mike Smith. There are times when Stu tries a little too hard to look like Mike Smith out there, and he. That comes from him himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking I'm going with with Stewart on this one. Shooting. Yeah, I have to agree. There's been many a game I've watched Stewart play, and I've thought that uh, he's hung out a lot with Mike Smith. So let's just see what happens. That's not a bad thing. But but again, like you said, I, I think we're not sure what the actual shooting is like. So right. is, it, is that going to be a factor? Yeah, do you got to score on an empty net, or you got to chuck it and, You're going and bar hit down from 10 feet. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a totally different story. Speaking of Mike Smith, saw him at the rink the other day. Uh, he was in town when the Oilers were in town. Bugged him, leaned on him, told him we need him on the podcast here now that he's not playing. So the seed has been planted. We are working. We are efforting, as they say in the radio business, to have Mike Smith as a guest. Because <laughs> you know, you know that would be a sick conversation. Oh, it'd be outstanding. And he, he looks like a big scary caveman but he's really a cuddly bear and a great guy to talk to well, so. one of the nicest guys 100 yeah. percent. yeah hey reminder uh we do have carter hutton coming up in our sense arena feature interview speaking but, of nice guys yeah speaking of great guys but before that i know we're past the halfway point woody but uh how's the vesna race looking right now that's a good question, Hutch. And anything uh, anything the metrics might be telling us that i mean everybody i know all mark is the the runaway favorite at this point, uh, both in terms of the way the GMs like to vote with wins and losses and the regular stats, save percentage, goals against average, where he's the league leader. But uh, is there anybody else we might look at if we go a little further down the list? Well, he's still got 30 games left for a lot of teams. So like there's a lot of runway for guys to make second half pushes. I mean, you think of the second half that Thatcher Demko had last year to get into some of these conversations. The one thing I would say, the one guy who's making a push at least based on workload and totality, and he was a Vesna finalist last year, is UC Soros. Yeah. We've seen the heater he's on. We saw the 64-67 against Carolina. I think he followed up with a shutout. Um, he's had so many good performances, I can't even list them off the top of my head of late. And in terms of goals saved above expected, which is a pretty good metric to use, and using ClearSight Analytics, which has, in my estimation, the best ability to sort for shot quality and truly measure a goaltender's performance isolated from his team. UC Saros in the last little while has barely, just barely, passed Linus Allmark at a hair under 24 goals saved above expected. Now, that is about volume, right? Like, on both ends of the spectrum. The more you play, the more chances you have to sort of increase that. And this is where Linus's case, I don't want to say it's weaker, but where other guys are making a strong case to push, we're, he's sharing the net. we are back into a straight tandem. 
yeah. pretty much with the with the Boston Bruins and sixty forty. Yeah, I mean it's it's getting closer, right? And yeah. and especially because Linus played so much early. Now I got to be honest with you, uh, selfishly, Woody who chose Linus in his hockey pool is not liking that. <laughs> um, as we mentioned before, we also get five points for a shout out. So Le- Linus leaving the game for two minutes to get his skate blade changed really kicked Woody in the nuts because that I could have used that bonus point. Um, the, so all that said, and the argument that Linus plays behind a team that is excellent defensively, which is true. The Boston Bruins are a great team. Less mar- You got more margin for error because they also score a lot, right? Like all that's true. If we filter it down on a sort of, rather than the totality where, where Saros is caught up in terms of goals saved, how about just on a sort of, you got per 60 metrics, how about just on a per shot basis? Like save percentage relative to expected. Linus Almark still leads the league and UC Saros by a considerable margin. He's plus 3%. So yeah, he's got a slightly higher expected, but he is outperforming it at a level that is clearly tops in the National Hockey League. So like, I think Linus Almark wins this award going away and it's going to be justified. This isn't all about the Bruins. So that's sort of an argument I hear. And as much as Saros, because he's, Saros has faced like 300 more shots. Like he is way busier. So workload wise, he deserves to be in the conversation. But when you break it down to sort of performance, uh, and hey, listen, like your ability to do this while playing so much counts. So maybe Saros gets in there to the point where there's an argument to be made. But to me, it's still Linus Allmark. The, the one, couple of the parts where, um, you know, again, goal saved above expected behind Allmark and Saros is Sorokin, then Jake Ottinger. Then Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky, Alexander Georgiev. How many people saw that coming in Colorado? Seventh in the league in goals saved above expected right now. Eighth is Connor Hellebuck. Here's one. Ninth in goals saved above expected. And fourth in adjusted save percentage because he also doesn't play a lot. Philip the Bus Gustafson. How are you feeling now, Ottawa Senators, about trading him away? He is having a hell of a season quietly for the Minnesota Wild. Wow. Uh, it's always love when you dive into that, Woody, and give everybody a look that's probably, a, well, I know it was a lot deeper than, than most people look. Well, like uh, to me, the, where, where it counts, I'm sorry to interrupt, is like, yeah. like it's the surprises. Like we don't, like knowing that Linus is up there, like that it's yeah. not just team, like that helps. But like, like, how many people had Philip Gustafson? Guess who's right behind Philip Gustafson? Again, much smaller workload um, when it comes to adjusted save percentage. How about how about how about one of us, Craig Anderson? One of us, old guy goalie. Yes, that's right. Craig Anderson is fifth in the National Hockey League with a two point one adjusted save percentage. Jake Ottinger's up there. Jeremy Swayman after a slow start. So this is the other one where. You know, a lot of the talk about Linus Allmark, Jeremy Swayman, who, who didn't have the start he necessarily wanted to the season, is back up into the top 10 with a plus 1.6 adjusted save percentage. So, um, you know, Ilya Sorokin's up there in the top six, but does, did anyone expect Semyon Varlamov to be right there with Ilya Sorokin, 10th in the National Hockey League in adjusted save percentage? And one more for you that might shock some people, Philip Grubauer, the forgotten man with the Seattle Kraken, has one of the lowest expected in the league. Again, small sample. He's gotten some really tough starts and some nights where they haven't played very well uh, and has outperformed it to the tune of 11th best number in the league. So 
for all the focus on Martin Jones, all he does is win in Seattle. Like Grubauer seems to have settled himself there, and I'll be really curious down the stretch if he gets more starts as a result. That's going to be an interesting second half there, I think, because the narrative maybe in the mainstream media has been that uh, the one weak link for Seattle might be their goaltending, and that's not what things seem to say. Yeah, and and listen, like I looked, I dug into Martin Jones' numbers, like because he's he's winning. The raw numbers are great. I think a lot of them took a big hit in that game where he was left in for all nine against LA. Like that's going to hurt your numbers. And honestly, that's a hole that it can take half a season to dig out of statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, what Martin Jones is giving them, his his overall expected numbers, are they're below expected. But it's almost exclusively on the high danger. What Jones has given them is really good numbers on the mid and the low danger. He's not making mistakes. He's making all the saves he's supposed to make and some he's not supposed to. They don't give up a ton of high danger. And so, you know, even though maybe you're not getting that level on those saves, he's doing what, what he's give, given them exactly what they need to win and they keep winning. And so you have to tip your hat to, you know, Martin Jones has gone a, undergone a bit of a style and technical evolution in his game over the past couple of seasons. There's a lot more rotation in his movements. He's square, he's set. Like his foundation is better than it was when he left San Jose. And you're seeing that show up in some of these numbers, especially like just not making mistakes on the low and mid danger stuff. Um, And that was something that was hurting the Seattle Kraken last year. I think they lost a little faith in the goaltending because some of those were going in. Um, This year it's not. And for them, that's all they really need on a Marty Jones right now. There you go. A guy I love to watch. I love that structure that you're talking about. And uh, I think one of the just aesthetically one of the nicest goaltenders out there to, to watch play the game. Now, You've heard about the goaltending meccas of Sweden and Finland, and of course, the rise of Russian goaltending over the last few years. But did you know there's another center of excellence in the crease? And it just might be Thunder Bay, Ontario. But before we tell you about that, Woody, let's just talk for a second about Sensorina, who brings us our feature interview every week. And as the All-Star Game is hitting the beaches in Miami, Sensorina recently added their outdoor rink, the lake tahoe venue and it's pretty darn cool i feel like there's some tie-ins there i feel like thunder bay is a place where you would play some outdoor hockey you would play some outdoor rinks in thunder bay in the cold winters of thunder bay but i would Solid prefer point. frankly because i'm a soft west west coaster first of all i'm going to prefer lake tahoe because it's a nicer setting no no offense to the thunder bay goalie mafia because they got some good ones there um and i'm going to be honest with you i'm really soft so i'd rather do my outdoor rink playing indoors with a headset on in my basement and that's what sense arena allows us to do yeah it sure does and now's a great time to do it because they've added a seven-day trial so you can get in there uh, for free if you already have the oculus headset they've also got a starter level for only 29 bucks a month and from now up until february 22nd you can see that new lake tahoe venue in the starter edition and after that you're going to have to have that full pro plan if you want to be able to access the tahoe venue But uh, the other thing you can do there right now, uh, just for the rest of this week, so we just got a few days left in their most recent uh, competition. So get in there and try some of the drills, go head to head against some of the other goaltenders at your level around uh, around the the world. And Woody, now just imagine being able to face NHL shooters in a virtual warm up before you hit the ice for your Tuesday night beer league game. Or maybe you've got a young goalie at home and they get to face an NHL shooter before they hit practice with their U13 or U15 team. Pretty cool overspeed training available. And I think it's an awesome chance to get into Sense Arena right now, not just because of the new packages they've got available, the new competition, 
but I think we know that spring tryouts are just around the corner. Playoffs are just around the corner. And this is a great opportunity for you to have an advantage training with Sensorina and those NHL shooters when your competition probably isn't. So go to Sensorina.com, use the code IGM50, and you'll get even more savings on top of the packages they've got. And uh, try it today. I'm, I'm now, hoping that KVG and Nick the goalie got a chance to get in the sensorine environment and face some NHL shots. If indeed we do see them in the all-star game skills competition tonight. I don't, I mean, you're not going to, I don't think anybody's coming down in the breakaway challenge and going Brian Rolston full clapper off the collarbone. Like he did years ago with the Minnesota wild against the Edmonton Oilers. I'm trying to remember the goalie that had to eat that one. Um, I think there was damage done. I don't think anyone's doing that at the all-star game. But I hope those guys at least prepared for the potential for those speed of shots. And nowhere can you do that. Unless you're Darren Millard going to skate with the Vegas Golden Knights. No big deal to, to, go, to go play with NHLers. For the rest of us, the only place you can get a chance to face NHL shooters is our friends at Sense Arena in their virtual environment. Okay, Woody. I threw out Thunder Bay, Ontario. Can you clue in our confused listeners as our production assistant goes to the green room and grabs Carter Hutton? Well, how about... Alex Ald, who begat Matt Murray. And when Matt Murray burst onto the scene with his two straight Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins, he told stories about equipment donated by Alex Ald back into the Thunder Bay minor hockey program that allowed him to continue or fed and fueled the passion of goaltending for Matt Murray when he was young. How about Mackenzie Blackwood? How about Carter Hutton? There's a lot of great goalies coming out of the Thunder Bay area. And so um anytime I, I always joke it's the thunder bay goalie mafia and they stay in touch like we talked about alex sort of paying it forward after he made the nhl and sending gear back and staying in touch alex as carter tells us in this interview he ran into him recently uh in thunder bay back home seeing family so um there's there's a pretty good legacy there uh colin zulianello uh, a goalie coach that we're really big fans of he's with the calgary flame system for years he went back home um, you know, to spend a little more time with family for the past couple of years. He's now back in the American Hockey League coaching the Seattle franchise down in Palm Springs, Coachella Valley. Very jealous of that as a landing spot to return to coaching. But um, games better with Colin Zulianello coaching. He's another guy from Thunder Bay, does some work with with has worked and touched on a lot of these guys over the years. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great goaltending coming out of a relatively small community in Thunder Bay. And nice to hear that Carter Hutton is back there. And I think that's what makes this interview so fascinating is we've had Carter on before. We've talked about his career. So we didn't, we didn't, we didn't dig into the you know, draft and the minutia and the coming up. It was more about reflecting on the key points of the career and key lessons learned. And in a lot of cases, how he's now applying them as he starts doing some coaching at the youth hockey level and with some of the higher end goalies from the area back home in Thunder Bay. To me, that's what makes this one of our, one of our better interviews, some great insights from the NHL and how he's now bringing that back to minor hockey. And frankly, as I, as I think I said in the interview, I know I said it to him off air, like there are some lessons and some concepts here that I think as a country, we could embrace a little better and have a little more success in terms of the way we do goaltending, especially at the young ages and the way Carter's getting out there and not necessarily looking to work with every goalie, but going out to practices and working with the goalie coaches so that they have something to continue to build on and build with at the next practice when he can't be there. 
Um, it, it's a great approach, and I think there's a lot of lessons there and in other things that Carter shared with us. Presented by Sensorina from the goaltending mecca of Thunder Bay, Ontario, it's Kevin Woodley sitting down with Carter Hutton. Really excited to welcome back to the In Goal Radio podcast, second time guest, Carter Hutton, um, who retired last summer. So I, I sad to say that because I miss our conversations when you would come through to the rink as much as I think there are probably a lot of goalies that, oh man, I'm going to Vancouver. That means Woodley's going to ask me a bunch of stupid questions. You were always very patient with them and always had great answers. Just catch us up, catch us up on uh, life back in Thunder Bay a little bit and you know, maybe go back to that decision and where you were at. I know injuries played a big role uh, in your last couple of seasons. Just, you know, maybe let's let's start off with how things are going now, Carter. Oh, well, first off, Kev, thanks for having me. Uh, always excited to answer some questions and be involved in the goalie world. And, uh, you know, I'll miss those trips to Vancouver for sure. But things are good. You know, we're back home in Thunder Bay. We, uh, uh, hometown, my wife's from here too. So we kind of got the kids. Now I'm, I'm going to their hockey and my daughter's in dance and we're keeping busy. We were chatting about that a bit before. Uh, Things are good. You know, obviously it was uh, the decision. I was ready. Um, I got, I hurt my ankle. That would have been two seasons ago. I was playing against the Rangers. Um, guy landed on me. I ended up with a high ankle sprain. I rehabbed it. Uh, ended up having to get, get surgery. I, I got a tightrope installed in my left ankle and had to get my two lateral ligaments. Um, re Just they had to redo the whole ligament. I, I went to Green Bay to see Dr. Bob Anderson, who's kind of the foot and ankle specialist of the NFL, NHL, kind of the whole world. Um, and then from there, it was just trying to catch a moving train. Uh, I signed in Arizona. I was in a boot pretty much that whole summer. And then when I got back to Arizona, training camp was pretty much just my first time being back on the rink uh, with like this new ankle. And I lost a lot of mobility. So everything RVH from knee to hip to, I think the last game I played in was against Florida and with, with the Coyotes. And, I, and then I hurt my knee. And it was definitely a product of my ankle. So it kind of held me back. And then I ended up getting traded to the Leafs <clears throat> just as like kind of, the, you know, Peter Mrazek got hurt, Campbell was out, and they just brought me in as like an insurance piece because they didn't really have anybody else. So it was a cool experience, you know, getting involved with the, the big bad Leafs there, getting to see how they run their operation. And uh, But I was ready and and kind of, you know, then retirement came and, and I'm loving it. Okay, so I, I remember seeing you come through with Arizona. I, I knew a little bit about the injury, didn't know the extent of the surgeries. Um I don't know what a tightrope is, but it doesn't sound good. No. But especially for, I think people underestimate the importance of dorsiflexion and ankle flexion, as you said, um, limiting that mobility affects the chain through the knees and into the hips and pretty much everything. But I saw you, I remember you came through with Arizona before the trade to Toronto and I watched you on the ice and I'm like, oh, like he looks like he can play. But then talking afterwards, there were just certain things that that lack yeah. of mob- you just couldn't do i was good if it was straight on shot like it was like subtle things i i couldn't shift over my glove side anymore so what would happen is i would end up leaning away i couldn't get over my knee like my ankle so my my heel on my glove side i couldn't get down low enough my heel would kind of stay popped up so my toe would be on the ice my heel is up in the air so i could never shift over my glove side so anything post play on my glove side was an absolute mess and then straight on shots i would end up reaching on everything so it was subtle in a sense but a lot of things that led to other problems because the whole chain was off okay and so in toronto what i mean what was that like because I, I gotta be honest i think everybody saw the trade and thought it was a future considerations thing and we wouldn't see you and then all of a sudden boom 
like you said, you're on the ice in Toronto. Was there ever a point where you were going to try and just go out there and play with one leg? Uh, yeah, like there was, you know, the, there's still that drive in me to play in that sense, right? I'm a prideful person and I, I kind of based my whole career on that. Um, so the first one, the trade went down, I got moved and the plan was I was going to stay in Scottsdale and right. I could do my thing. And it was kind of perfect, right? It was kind of the end. I was going to... Family's right there. The, yeah, I was going to ride off into the sunset and uh, play some golf. And because my ankle was good day to day, right? I could work out. I could do everything. It was just when I get into those predicaments, goaltending, it was definitely tougher on it. And Jack was hurt uh, with the Leafs, and then Mrazek got hurt. And that's when I got the call from Dubis. Um, the option of staying was kind of gone, and they wanted me to come. And not that they were making me, they just really wanted me to come and see where I was at and kind of assess me. And, you know, and then I got on the rink, and they were obviously pretty happy with how I could play. I was trying to make some changes to my game to like be modified. I, I got on the ice a lot with John Elkin. And then it was a crash course, just getting in shape. Um, just to be an extra body there, um, just in case. And then I ended up going down. They wanted me to play a little bit with the Marlies beforehand, but the Marlies were trying to get in the playoffs. So Hutchinson was playing for the Marlies, and he was playing so well at the time. They were in the playoff hunt. I almost felt guilty being there. Like, I didn't want to have to get thrown in, and me being That's not a lot of pressure. To, yeah, yeah, to cut. Like, like granted, I, I played in the NHL a lot. Like, the American League is almost harder to play in, in a sense. And they play a run-and-gun game, and Mike was playing so well. Um, and they ended up, it came down to the last game, so I never got a start. And then I was there just for the playoffs for a little bit, just as an extra body. Um, and then that was it. I, I I got a new mask painted. I got a Leafs mask for the collection, so that was nice. I was I was going to ask, like like Thunder Bay guy, like Ontario guy, to like to finish it with the Leafs as much as it wasn't the original plan at the trade. Like, do you, do you take anything out of that? Like, the, having yeah. had the opportunity to, you know, to have a sweater, to to, to have a bucket? Yeah, for sure. It was cool. It was, you know, especially just being around it, right? You know, you grow up, everyone here is a Leaf fan. My my wife's families are like, her. my father-in-law is a huge fan. And and just the stuff, you know, bringing it, I even just bringing some merch home, right? Like sweaters. And I had like the playoff stuff I was giving it to everybody. And uh, so that was cool. And, and just getting to see it, right? It's the Mecca hockey of Canada. And uh, fun experience for sure. It was definitely at a point where I was ready to go. And now it's it's my little guy plays in, it's called Port Arthur Minor here. He's on the Leafs now. So everyone jokes around like I retired a Leaf and my little guy started a Leaf. So, Okay. So now transitioning a little bit into retired life, your little guy's playing, but I'm guessing, I mean, too early for goal. But, yeah. But you know that question's coming at some point, dad. What's the answer? Uh, I, whatever he wants to do. I'm not a, I'm going to back him no matter what, right? I, I'm not going to pour force him in anything. Um, he tries so hard out there. He's, you know, he's just learning, right? He's five years old and he's having a heck of a time. And he, but he loves diving in front of the net and last it's efforts to try to keep the puck out of their little cage. So every time I'm in the crowd, you know, people are always telling me like, Oh, look at that one, dad, like making sure I'm ready just in case he becomes a goalie. It, it's funny though. Like I, I want to go back to the ankle a little bit. Um, Cause you said somebody like it was, a, it was a more of a collision, somebody falling on you. Um, but we've seen a lot of sort of like we had uh, who also recently re- announced his retirement was Andrew Hammond. Same type of situation where he, it was an ankle thing. Do you, like when we look at the importance of ankle mobility, like is there any part of you, because yours was a, was a surgery and that limited your mobility, but how, how close an eye are you keeping on sort of, we've seen some evolution in skates. We've seen some different things that are trying to free up some of the ankle mobility. I wonder as a guy who went through it, was playing a certain way, had had issues with ankles, and again, injuries versus 
Like, like I'm hearing from guys that freeing up that ankle mobility is starting to help with some of the wear and tear they're feeling in the knees and in the hips and a better understanding of maybe how freedom in the ankle can, can help with wear and tear up that chain. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's something we need to evolve into. Um, well, you think, I believe like RVH kind of just crashed on the scene, right? So we started using it so much. And this wear, and then we're not thinking about long-term wear and tear. We're just trying to evolve in the moment. And we're wearing these skates where majority of the time we were standing up or we were VHing where we, you know, we're not in such a predicament where all that pressure is hunched over that skate. So I think evolving with the equipment as well as with our bodies makes a big difference. And I think I was somewhere in that in between. I started to learn RVH while I was playing in the American. And I already loved my skates super tight. Anyone who played with me, would laugh because I would always joke. I, I taped my ankles so tight. I love the VH skates. Well, true now, um, but I would tape my ankles so tight because I, I love the flexion of having that stiff springiness and being connected straight to my blade. So there was no, no wobble when I was standing straight up, but was not great when it came to RVH, the pressure I was putting on that ankle. So I found even in my fibia tibia bones like my shins would be killing me all the time every time i got a new pair of skates and i would just keep pounding through it until i built up that durability where i think long term looking back that probably wasn't healthy for my hips and knees and you know ankles and i worked a lot with maria mountain on like ankle mobility doing my cars and trying to gain that mobility but it was again it's tricky right you get in a season and you're just pounding away on your on our bodies well, you you gain all that you do all that work with Maria, and I'm glad you mentioned her because I know you did a lot of work with her over the years. You do all that work to free up that mobility, and then our equipment takes it away. And, yeah. and like like you said, like I remember I remember the sock tape, right? Like like it wasn't just that you had some skates that were locked in, but you you locked those babies in like uh, like you kept the sock tape companies happy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I always laughed every time I joined a new. Well, I joined enough teams, so or or if like a player would get called up or somebody got traded, we'd be like getting dressed before a game, and if the music was off and I'm taping my skates, it was always kind of like an embarrassing moment with a new guy. They'd be like looking over at me, like as I'm taping taping the heck out of my ankles, being like, "This is our goalie," and I just always tell them, "Hey, it's included in my contract. Tape's free, so let's take advantage of it." <laughs> you and Marty Biron, I don't know if you ever saw that story. He was going through like a whole roll every time he taped them up, but his skates were so old. Well, it, it is interesting though. Like, um, you know, that you talk about feeling so locked into the skate, like that's that whole theory of no lost energy transfer, which I mean, we used to like, it sounds great. Like we used to parade it as, you know, um, new, everybody was chasing that. It's like, Hey, this is a new feature. You're going to feel so connected to your blade guys change their sharpenings, right? Like I know guys that would go down a couple notches on the sharpening because they felt so connected to the ice. But if there's no ankle mobility, like you said, Robin Laners talked to us about RVH and what he thinks it's doing to young goalies, hips and knees. And I, I think it starts with, you know, losing that dorsiflexion at the bottom and how that continues up the chain. I didn't mean to get into biomechanics with you, but I just thought it was interesting, you know, so you talked about the ankle and you obviously had experience with it. Yeah, I think you just got to be careful on usage, right? Like managing it, um, especially these young kids that are still growing, right? You know, you get on the ice and they want to pound it out because they see it every day in the NHL. Um, and it's tricky, right? It's it's one of those things that can have a lot of wear and tear. So it's just managing it properly and not overusing it because it, it does affect, you know, these boys, especially kids at a young age while they're growing. Well, and this transitions us to life now. So you're, you're busy with your own two, three, and five. They keep you running around. You're pretty much a professional Uber driver and cheerleader for sports now. Um, what about the coaching side? I know you've started to delve into that a little bit. Is that something that as the kids get older, you might 
look at doing more of? How do you, how do you, how do you like that side of things? Yeah, so far so good. I, I've joined forces with Colin Zuvianello, who is, uh, he's with the Seattle Kraken. So he's yep. from Thunder Bay. He runs a camp. So I ran a camp back in the day when I was in playing the NCAA, kind of just starting out. Um, kind of was my summer business. I felt it kept me on the ice, kept me connected. Um, and then me and Colin joined forces. So this summer we're going to, we're going to run a hockey school here, a goalie camp. And I've been doing a few private lessons just with a few kids that have kind of reached out a little bit like more elite kids, um, some high end double A players and some kids that play for the Thunder Bay Kings. Kind of my sweet spot I find right now is when I get into that 50, like, you know, 14 to 17 range where they're, they're fairly good, but like their problems are pretty glaring to me. Like I always joke around with some of these kids, uh, you know, they're like, how many games did you play? I'm like, well, I played in the NHL. I played like 230 or 40 games. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. Like, but I watch a lot more. So just remember when I'm watching you, I know what's going on. And I've been around so many good goalies that have like, and goalie coaches that I, I feel like sometimes the problems are glaring. Uh, for me and and I've joined on to huddle now so I have the huddle app and so I can get their video and I can kind of shoot them a few things so then it's more at my on my schedule right because the problem I find is from three to nine is when they want lessons but that's when I want to be engaged with my kids so I just pick and choose who I do it with right now but it's something I really enjoy and, and I mean I guess that's great too because you, like you said it gives you you got a little you got control over your schedule right now like you know, I, my guess is knowing how well regarded you were as a goalie and as a student of the game, you wouldn't have any trouble if you wanted to get into the pro ranks as a coach, but not something you're interested in right now because there's there's other priorities at home this is the, with the with the family. For sure, right? I think you know most of guys know like how much our, like for me, my wife sacrificed her career too. To, you know, not that she, you know, we were fortunate, right? We we were able to, you know gain some financial freedom playing this great sport. But at the same time, there's, there's other things that we give up and, and for her letting, giving her a chance to try to pursue her career and kind of taking the back seat here for a little bit, but at the same time, still staying attached to the game so I can stay sharp and keep up with guys like you who are right on the ball here. Well, you know what? It reminds me of another Thunder Bay uh, alumni from the national hockey league. We've I've had this conversation over the years and he ultimately actually ended up going away from coaching, but he was coaching for always Alex all. Yeah, I just actually saw Alex. He was in town there. We were at the bowling alley with our kids, and he was there. Uh, they were in town for Christmas, so I ch- had a good chat with him. And uh, you know, he's obviously a student of the game as well, and uh, you know, a great guy. I think he's pretty white, busy in his wife's business, but uh, but I think he still uh, enjoys goaltending for sure. We love chatting. Okay, so the 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 Thunder Bay. I think I used to call it the goalie mafia from Thunder Bay. Like, there's a proud tradition there. It's not like it's not not a huge community, but like you think of Alex yourself. You know, Matt Murray, I don't know that he gets back there anymore, but was is from there. Mackenzie Blackwood, yeah. I'm probably missing some guys. Like, what's in the water? Like, what is it that, uh, you know, on a per capita basis, that's, you know, at a time when we're talking about, oh, Canadian goaltending, um, you guys turned it, turned it out pretty good. Yeah, you know, I, I think just having guys come down the pipe too. Um, like, for me, I kind of developed a little later on. Like, Alex was kind of the you know, the guy, right. When I was, he was playing, I think for the Canucks at the time or Florida back and forth. And I was just starting out and, you know, just having guys like that around to learn from, to be with, to be able to skate with. And then I'm a big believer in what Colin's been doing the last years here. He's really getting guys goalies at the younger ages, at the, you know, U seven ages. And and then they're kind of coming down the pipeline. So they're learning the right things right away. Um, where even now I've, I've done a few practices just for friends and, Going out for an hour or two with a goalie, I don't think is the answer. For me, I'm more trying to teach the coaches. 
where I can leave them with some stuff to like, this is the way we play the game now, right? Where some of these goalie coaches at younger age, you're not getting the the high-end training where, you know, these are guys that are working full-time jobs that aren't goalie experts. Maybe they played in the 90s. They played some goal up to maybe midgets. So the game's kind of evolved, right? They only know things the way that they know it. So I'm a big believer in guys like me and Colin and, and giving back to the game and trying to help people understand, you know, the grassroots that lead to success, you know, and making changes on the fly. I got to say, like, we're obviously big fans of uh, Zuli as well. Um, got the pleasure of being at a goalie conference with him in, in ironically, Nashville of all places uh, years ago with uh, one of the uh, the group that Mike Valley's group at the time put on uh, a symposium and got to know him a little bit. And so glad to see him back in the game this year. Again, another guy that sort of took some time off for, for the family side. Um, nice to see him back in Seattle. Also nice that it's Palm Springs. We have to go visit him at some point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tough, poor guy. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wanted that gig. Um, but giving back like that, I mean, I love the giving back aspect. And I know that, I, you know, talking to Alex and, and Mackenzie Black with the inspiration they took from you guys a, ahead of them, Alex ahead of you and then, and then yourself um, is big. I love the fact you give back to the community, but I, I want to go, I want to get into that teaching other coaches aspect not to make this a broader discussion about where we're at as a nation but it sounds like you're seeing that like and to me that's one of the things that like when we look at other countries what they've done is rather than trying to you know just focus on elite goalies and build building better elite goalies they've tried to build more goalie coaches certification programs so that you know the nine and ten year olds there's somebody on that sheet they, they don't have to be an expert but they know the basics so they can help those kids sort of learn the position properly from a young age. And it sounds like that's what you're seeing too. Like that's, or that's what you're trying to pass on there is just some of the stuff that, you know, sort of modern goaltending so that the coaches can go out there and run a good practice that the goalies are actually active and involved in and learning things that are applicable versus, Hey, just stand up more. A hundred percent. Right. And it's being able to make those adjustments, right? Like where I find, when I've gone with some goal, you know, sometimes I'd go out to a practice and help out a friend, right. Who's coaching a U 11 team or U 13 team. And the goalie coach, I'd be like, I always ask them to just pretend I'm not here to start. Just tell me what you're going to do. So I can kind of feel it out and see, you know, granted the way we're doing, like some guys are doing VH and they want them, you know, three feet outside the crease when the puck's in the zone and trying to explain to them that like trying to create some more like efficient goalies at a young age. So then as you grow and as you get more powerful, it's already there. You know, you're setting that foundation, but I find my time is more valuable teaching a coach that can like under grab those concepts and then hold on to them and be there all the time to help those kids. And I think that's where starting a like more consulting basis is where my time is more valuable. Cause I do value my time, right? I have, there's only so much time in a day, you know how it is with kids and life. And, but I, I want to help out and I, and I want to keep Thunder Bay up, the snuff keeping up with goalies and and be involved in the pro world any way i can but i think that is the the secret sauce is helping the coaches that love goaltending that want to teach um and there's so many resources out there at the same time right you could pull up any youtube videos you can find stuff on instagram wherever you go if you're looking for it but being able to filter <coughs> in goalmag.com in goal magazine right but you know what i mean right yeah exactly trying to fill like how do you filter through what is applicable to that age right we're maybe giving these coaches the tools to make those recognitions off from in goals info yeah no that's perfect and and 
it's funny you say that because again, that's to me, that's the ultimate program. Like, don't focus just on the goalies or one specific goalie or one specific age group. Help if you help a coach, they're going to help two goalies, and maybe they work with another team like that. Like to me, that's that's just a great way to do it. Like in some ways, what you're doing right now is a model. I think we could we could probably emulate a little better across the country, frankly. So we might be picking up that Carter Hutton consultant business. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm working on it. I'm trying to figure out. My problem is like the even creating like the video slideshow, the production of how I could like, you know, and then maybe I create a Zoom conference where people could come in and I can communicate with them what to do. Because I feel like I'm less well-groomed than some of the goalie coaches. I came from just a, a line of hard work on the job adaption over my career. So I'm very good at like seeing where guys are and making changes. Um, so I, I think that happy medium where me and Zuli will work well together is he has the goalie school coach, NHL coach grooming. And I have like the on the job experience. Even there was a play yesterday is a perfect example. I'm working with a young goalie. He's 15, plays double A, big kid, growing into his body, 6'2". RVH, he's f- trying to figure out if he should put his glove forward or backwards when he's on his glove side, right? Pucks in the corner and he's trying to worry about it. And I'm trying to explain to him, I know what you've seen. I know what you do. Your glove doesn't matter right now. Stop the puck. I want you to be able to, when the puck is in the corner, to be able to freeze that puck. So getting his head around, he understands the technique, but he doesn't understand how to make it applicable to like a game situation. So I think that's where I meet in the middle is I understand what it takes to get stuff done in a game. And being able to teach those guys both, you know, the happy medium of technical plus letting your technique go, let's stop the puck. And reads like, like a big part of that is reads, right? Like, and that's, that's actually one of the things like, like not to turn this into a back padding session for us, but like, that's one of the things that Ingle with the pro reads that we found by doing video with goalies like yourselves in, in the NHL, where we look at saves and ask them what they're thinking. And, you know, when you make that decision to prioritize freezing a puck or, uh, why you're in this safe selection at this point, like all those different components that you guys, the reads you make in real time, sharing those with kids so they can start thinking the game that way. Um, like the feedback on that's been incredible because you can't, I don't say you can't do that at goalie school, but you know, sadly, I think for a lot of them, it doesn't happen. It's just, and we've talked about this even in practice, right? You used to battle through all the, it, it, not everything can be point A to point B. You know exactly where you're going. You know exactly where the shot's coming. At the end of the day, that's goalie practice, but it doesn't necessarily translate into playing goalie in a game. Yeah, for sure. There's like, sometimes as goalies, we want to practice in that perfect bubble where it's shooter A has the puck. He passes to shooter B. We're going to T push, set, get our feet set. He's shooting low stick. You make the save and it's perfect, right? Everything. You get in a game, nothing's like that. So being able to work on the fundamentals so we have the structure, but being able to be free enough when we play to play with freedom, knowing that we have that. And I I think that's where it comes to the mental side as well. Um, I'm a big believer in, I had a goalie coach that helped me out one time. You might've heard of him, Marty Bruder. Um, (laughs) So in St. Louis... He was the assistant general manager at the time. And when they let, when they let Hitchcock go, uh, Jim Corsi got let go as well. So Marty came down and he wasn't too happy about it because he wanted to be on the golf course hanging out, but he was on the ice with us. And he helped me a lot with like the mental processing, the breathing and the creating that freedom when you play to not be uptight, especially the way I played, right? I played with a lot of high energy and I was less well-groomed than, you know, like Jake. So me and Jake are goalie partners in St. Louis. 
and he was very technically sound as RVH, as post play, everything, his feet work. Where I was, I was playing with flow, I was moving, I had all this differential. Where when I learned to control my breath and just relax and play free, it was less boxy, less, and I needed that. So trying to teach these young goalies to be able to free themselves from what they learned in practice, what they did, you put the work in, now just play. This is the fun part. Um, and I think the earlier we can start reinforcing those little skills, the quicker it becomes second nature for them as they grow into the position. Okay, so like, like I, when I hear you describe your game, like there was an intensity to it. Ian Clark here, the goalie coach here, he says this all the time, like tension is the enemy of goaltending. And that fine line between, like I think of intensity sometimes can be like tensed up, right? There's that tension part of it, like where you're just, like it's almost like you're spring-loaded, but you're not relaxed. Like it feels powerful and energetic, but it's a, you know, a little bit more relaxed flow state would be probably more ideal. Any tips you can pass along from Marty from the breathing standpoint that helped you bridge that gap or find that balance? Like, because it's fascinating to me. I would have, we think of breathing and, and mindset and that kind of stuff. I'm not sure I would have thought of Marty with that. So that like, that's a fascinating story to me. Yeah, it was, it was great. He was, um, and then you think about his career, right? He had a lot of games where he's seeing minimal shots and he's making those big saves when he needed to. So obviously the mental attachment to the game. Um, so we would work a lot on like five minute segments um, in, in a game. So 20 to 15 would be a five minute overtime. I'm just going to win that five minutes, right? Whether there's timeouts, whatever it was, instead of looking at a game, you know, because there's games where I was playing in my career, you knew it was a big game. And maybe it's the day before the day of you start thinking about things that are out of your control. I start thinking about we're playing, a, you know, a big match and you're like, oh, man, what if they get a power play goal? Or what if they do this? Where even in those moments, I would learn to breathe through it. We're good. Clear it. I can't control that. Move on. Get focused. So when it came to a game and I had worked on it so much in practice, I would I use like a red line in approach where the puck would cross the red line. I would get my gap. And right there, it would be a big breath in, a breath out. And it would almost set the tone for the in-zone play where I would still be breathing. I'm still working hard. I'm still in this flow state, but I've, I've relieved that tension, you know, that Ian talked about. And I can make saves. I can be reactionary. I can be that like bulldog mentality that makes me successful without being so hyper-focused and tense that I can't control a puck, that I can't play. And then if there's a whistle or the puck leaves the zone, I would relax again. And I'd kind of come out of it because for me, I had the most success, you know, a TV timeout, I'd come to the bench. And when I was really feeling it, I'd be joking, having fun. I'd get back to the face-off. I would have a little bit of self-talk I would go through, reset myself for the face-off. And then whatever time it was, okay, let's, we're battling from three minutes left to the end or till I get my next whistle, you know, and the pucks in the far end, cross the red line, reset that breath. I'm relaxed again. I've relieved that tension, but I'm competing. Love it. I love it. Um, when you're doing drills, when you are out there with your, with the goalies that you work with, especially the higher end ones, you know, again, I think we've got a series up at Ingle somewhere still from years ago where you talked about that compete, that importance of battle, how it, not everything can be station to station and, and about embracing some of the drills in practice that a lot of goalies just turn off for because it's not game realistic. It's, you know, it's not, it, it's situations you never face trying to pass that along to the kids. And, and I'd be curious what, what types of drills, like do you have drills you want to include? Cause, cause you're right. All the foundation stuff's still there, the point to point and becoming efficient. That still has to be part of what you do, but are there any that you like that are favorites that are sort of like, Hey, let's get that battle level up. Let's do you find, can you put games into it? Ways to get kids sort of competing out there 
while they're also working on the technical elements? I, I think sometimes I like to do the pre-shot work technically. And then from there, I, I love incorporating a little bit of unpredictableness where it is, he might go this way, he might go that way, it could go here. Adding a little bit of elements where we can't just get locked in on a play. Because I find sometimes with the younger kids, when you give them a the play that they're locking in on, their feet become so stationary. And then as soon as it moves, everything becomes a lean or a slide or instead of a shift. So I'm trying to create, I'm a big believer in that pre-shot work, but still being able to shift while we're in a set position, right? I'm a, I love Sorokin and Shesterkin, like their pre-shot work and just the way that they manage the crease and edge work. Um, especially like Sorokin, he's not a very big guy. He looks like he's not even wearing a chest protector. And the way that he is so dialed in on the puck and the way he uses his edge. I remember talking to Mitch Korn when they first got him and just talking about how good he was. Because I remember seeing him in warm-ups the first time we played the Islanders. And he wasn't starting. And I was like, this guy looks like a beer league goalie. Like, no offense. Like, just he just didn't have that pro presence, especially you see guys. And then you watch him play and you're like, he is just a laser to the puck. So trying to create younger goalies that can still react when they're in a save you know we're set for the shot but we still have other options so i i try to explain to them maybe like an 80 20 where it's i'm totally locked in on the shot but any predictableness i can still shift i'm still not totally lost on my edges where i'm a big believer in as we add some unpredictableness to the play they can't get totally just locked in okay so shift for everyone I, like i think i have a concept of what because because this is the one thing like um, if you ever end up working for an organization, I think having uh, almost like a dictionary and, and yeah, 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 that's true. No, like because the Devils did it. Like the Devils, one of the thing first things that Scott Clemenson did was like sort of they built out like phrases so that at every level when they said shift, everybody knew what they meant. Um, because I think we can we can all sort of think of things in different ways. So when you say shift, because we've heard it a bunch, um, and it's obviously a very important part of your game like just walk me through what that means to you um you know how it applies off a release so to speak yeah so i i tr like almost like a lateral release where it's not a slide it's my knees aren't dropping straight down they're dropping on an angle so that's the biggest thing i try to show these kids is i'm always preaching it's not the save you're making it's the next play it's you might make that save but if we're disconnected we have to reconnect to get to the next part. So I, I try to talk about staying compact. And if the shot's going blocker side, our knees are shifting to the blocker side. So all I'm doing is releasing that blocker side skate a little bit so I can drop into it. And at the same time, my glove side knee and pad can stay connected where it's not like a big shift. Because we might make that save, but if the rebound comes back the other way, now we got to recollect ourselves to go. Where we're given our best chance every time we can stay connected wherever we're moving to the puck. And it's tricky, right? Because there is so much unpredictableness, but I just find the more we can do that pre-shot work, it just sets ourselves up for success over time. Smaller movements and like if you start sliding and bigger movements and start, you, the more you move, the more you got to move the other way, but hit something or goes the other way. Or it's, I think, I, I think I know exactly what you mean. Um, as a matter of fact, when you tighten compact shifts, yeah. Like Jake gave up a goal the other night in Montreal uh, where he's really good at it, right? He's managed his depth a lot. He's backed himself up and it's just little movements. He barely moves. He's shifting to his blocker side, goes back glove, but he leaves his feet early. And this is Ren. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but like he's a guy that I would like want 
kids to watch because he's so efficient in how he plays. And he's really evolved his game. It's depth management and it just sets him up for the most success, right? It's different. It's a read too. Like if a guy's coming in, it's a one-on-one, you have pressure. Yes, maybe you grab some more depth to cut down some angle. But in zone and broken place, I think the more efficient we can be with our depth and squareness and those efficient movements, it's just going to create success over time. You talked about being more of a flow goaltender, uh, playing with a little more backwards flow. Is that something that evolved in your, like, can we still have that in today's NHL where like the focus a lot of times seems to be, let's be set, let's be square. Um, I'll give you another former playing partner of yours as an example. Linus Elmark is tearing it up right now and listening to Bob Asenza talk about it. Um, it feels at least you would probably have an eye for it a little more. Like he's added a little bit of like, he's, he's never going to be Tuca, but Bob wants him to be less sort of point to point stationary and have a little flow in his game. Is that something that we're seeing come back maybe a little bit where for a while there, I think a lot of coaches were just like, no, no flows flows, something you have to manage. The more moving parts we have, the more chance we get caught moving. Well, it's, it's the game has opened up so much now, right? So I, I believe there has to be a little bit of flow, in my opinion. You know, guys are stationary. Like there's, you know, there's still guys like you know, like Price. He was one of the best, right? He just his feet were so efficient and he was so loaded and explosive, but still calm. Um, where Linus, I think a little bit. He's so big too, right? He does such a good job and he is he reads plays so well. Um, so I think a little bit of flow is half is good, but it's it's he is such elite edges too where he could be on his way down and a guy shooting high glove, he can catch that edge on his other side and gain some ground, you know, with shoulders, with hands. Um, so I think a little bit, I was a big believer in having some flow. It's just a manage of how much flow you have too. where I, I was always the other side of the spectrum. I was trying to tone it down. Like there'd be some clips where I'd get beat on a two on one. And then I see the pre the neutral zone approach and I'm two feet outside the blue paint. And then all of a sudden, it's a quick pass over the blue line, guys, one-timing it, and I'm giving myself not even a chance on it, where I need to control that flow, where I think some of these guys that were so deep and big and just relied on size have to get a little more flow now because the game is, and these kids are so good now. Yeah, it's just so so east-west. And so, yeah, like we're not going back to the days of uh, starting at the hash marks as the play comes over center line. Um, you know, no, no Mike Vernon nineties, you know, fake slapper down the wing, get him to the ice and, and put it into the empty net. But it, it's subtle. Like the flow seems to be a little more subtle and yet you're right. I, I think we're seeing the need to have a little momentum build in your game because it's going back and forth and back and forth again, so much more than it used to. Oh yeah. And I think the way that goalies leverage their posts now with a little bit of momentum too, um, where they can catch plays and pop right back out, grab depth so quickly. And then from there, you know, start your flow again and keep your movement going. And it's it's pretty impressive what everyone can do now. Even some of the videos now or younger goalies you skate with. And it's just like thinking how talented they are, well-groomed they are. Where I'm a big believer in that. You need that. But I, I feel like I'm a little bit tainted because I was just straight athlete, raw. I picked it up later on. So I always have that kind of inside of me where I just want to encourage guys to be free and play and compete and develop that. And, you know, you need that structure as well, but like be able to turn it off. And I think that's what sometimes we're between the years is really, really important being able to control the way they think it. I always used to wonder, and I've asked them this many times and the answers, I mean, the answer hasn't changed. Like Mitch is still going to camps in the summer, you know, still does his tour. 
And and as much as he puts into the game, he gives so much back with those camps. But he always used to say, I, I get something out of it too, because as the game evolves, I'm sort of seeing it through these kids, new things, new ideas. He's always learning, right? That's That's part of the position. You see that benefit as you're working with these kids. You talked about how good they move and how how powerful they are. Like, is you getting something out of that as well? Working with some of the younger guys, as much as it's mostly you giving back to them, do you For see sure. what you see why Mitch does it all these years later? For sure, you're, it's almost like you're just trying to stay on, stay evolving too, right? Because and there's no other better way to do it than like being at the grassroots too, as these kids develop, right? Even even for me, all through my career. I feel like I learned so much from the goalies I played with. And I always do that when I do a lesson or I have some kids, I like to get two or three goalies there. So it's like a springboard. We can bounce ideas off each other. We can hear, cause there's no secret sauce. Everybody, you know, you grab different ingredients from everybody. And, and I'm a big believer in that too. Like even I played there, sometimes a goalie coach would tell me something. And I'd be like, I don't really think that works for me. I think this is a better play. And I don't think there's one size fits all. So, being able to have that and see how these kids can grow up into it, but then have my own elements of things that worked for me. And maybe it might not work for you, but let's find some happy, you know, you know, middle ground here. Is that, that, that like, that's what makes this position so beautiful, right? Like you could have somebody who knows everything about the position and they probably still can't tell you that there's one, one way to play it for any one person. No, it's, and it's, and I don't think, anyone who tells you it has to be this way. I think they're just trying to sell themselves. It's not like a true love goaltending too, right? Where I feel like sometimes when there's too many resources out there, the the water can get a bit muddy where you need to just be able to take it. If it's not for you, move on it and then find those inefficiencies in your game and, and see what pattern's going to work or what where your special sauce comes from. Okay, so that's another good question because you did, you you talked about having a lot of different partners. Uh, a lot of different goalie coaching voices over the years. Um, finding that balance between new information and staying true to what you know uh, is it works for you. Like you have to be receptive, but that temptation or you know feeling like maybe you have to do what the new goalie coach is asking because he controls your future. How do you how do you find that balance? Any advice for kids that are going through that? Because Every year they change teams. There might be a new voice. There might be some guy from the '90s telling them to get out to the hash marks and stand up, stand up, stand up. Um, you know how do you, how do you, how do you build that? How do you? We throw information to kids all the time. How do you process it without being overwhelmed by it and and not start chasing change just because you saw somebody do it on on Instagram or YouTube? Um, I, I I think that's where you become a student of the game too, right? You have to learn yourself. Um, I really enjoy when I get these younger kids out, I ask them what they want to work on. I I try to say like, where in your game do you think you need improvement? Um, like granted, I, I could run a few drills with a kid and, and majority of these inefficiencies are pretty glaring to me. I like them to learn themselves because I find the quicker you can make your own adjustments to your game, the light bulbs start coming on, you really start to evolve. That, because that's what worked for me, for sure. And again, I know there's lots of pressures, especially when it comes to, we're talking about travel teams, elite teams. And, and there is that, you know, you want to be the goalie coach's guy. But I also want to think that we can get these goalie coaches to a point where it's not one size fits all too, right? We're going to start filtering out that old school mindset of like, you have to play my way or you're not playing. Um, and again, it comes back to that battle of, the athlete being a good teammate too, where I try to, I would tell any younger goalie, you're never competing against the other goalie. In my opinion, you're competing against yourself. 
breaking that mentality of like, well, if like when I played with Linus, right, really good partner of mine, he would play well and I would be excited for him, like truly excited for him. He's a good friend of mine. And because if he plays well, that's good for the team. If I don't play well, I'm not going to play anyway, whether he plays well or doesn't play well, I need to worry about myself and my minutes and how I'm going to take care of myself. So breaking that mindset and those inner circles that sometimes we surround ourselves with at a younger age where you have mom, dad, for some of these really talented kids, you know, agents, um, friends who are insulating you from the real world being, it's not your problem. You played good. The team played bad. Instead of being, being able to be self-aware of your game and assess your game and be honest with yourself, what you need to do when you finish playing or practicing, looking in the mirror, you know, what I need to do. So I think that's really important to keep these kids attached to the real world, not worried about so many other things. If that makes sense, I it, it totally does. And is that something you experienced at any point? Like you, 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 you fought for everything through your career. Is that something you saw in others, or did you have to go through a point of that too? Where um, were there any points where it's like, hey, I got to like step outside my bubble here and just do an honest self assessment as as opposed to just listening to what everyone else is telling me? Like it sounds like that comes from a a learning experience at some point because it's really yeah, good advice. for sure. Um, I, I think I think the American League is where I really found that was you had all these players that were so good, that were the best junior players, best NCAA, and then it bottlenecks, right? You have these guys that struggle. You're not on the power play. You're not starting every game. Where I had already fought for so much, I almost had this like more mental freedom of like, if okay, game went good, game went bad, whatever happened, I didn't play, right? Because of my my first year in Rockford, I was on the East Coast con- contract. Um, and I was with Andrew Allen, who was awesome. And we had Alexander Salak, right, who didn't want to be there. And it was this weird dynamic because the Hawks kept playing him. And I was playing really good at that time. He had come back from injury. But I kept that, like, dog on a bone mentality, whether it was practice, where it could have been easily broken in the sense of I was surrounded by teammates who were like, this is, this is BS. You should be playing. You're our guy. Why are they playing him? Why are they doing this, right? And you have family who is like, or, well, if this goalie gets hurt, you get a chance to play if he gets hurt. So you start to like, let that stuff creep into your life. Um, I'm worried about a guy not playing good or getting hurt for my personal success. Where's my energy directed? That is just a horrible way to think. And it's tricky, right? Because you are people around you. They don't do it because they actually want someone to get hurt. They just want you to succeed. And that's the wrong way to go about it, in my opinion. And I, I think for me, seeing that in the American League, the way it is so cutthroat and guys are so worried about getting chances, getting this, getting that, I felt I could draw on those experiences of my shortcomings early in my life, getting cut from teams and how I develop. It really helped me a lot. I just, I just great advice. Awesome advice. I love it. Um, listen, I could probably te- keep you for another 20 minutes with general questions all over <laughs> the place. You and I could talk forever. Um, I, I, I do, I do have one more. You said you got the, you got the, you got a place for, you got the Leafs mask on the wall somewhere. Um, what did you keep from the career? Like what, like, is, are you, have you built a place, uh, to store it all? And the one question is, I'm not sure a lot of people realize that you have a cup ring from 2010, I believe with the Blackhawks. So you keep like, is that something you just, where do you sit on that one? Is that one on display somewhere? Cause you're part of the organization. I know this is my first year home. So my parents still have the cup ring. Um, I, I had it with my, my mom and dad have it. That was kind of their, my dad's keepsake and, you know, friends would come over, he'd be showing it off. Um, That's cool. so they saw, yeah, I have the cup ring. Um, the only thing that I kept, I have a few friends that have like jerseys and sticks and everything. 
I just didn't want to make like a shrine in my house to, you know, my career, right? A, shri- Everybody... a shrine to me? Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. So the only thing that I've kept on my dad harped on me when I was a young age, I have all my helmets from when I was, I have my first one when I was in midget, my first painted helmet. One from, I have 22, 21 in all, but I'm missing one. I have one from St. Louis that I'm missing that I've talked with uh, my painter about trying to get. Uh, we're trying to track it down. So I have 22 helmets of my career. Um, and I have one, two, three, four. So 18 of them from my professional career, which is pretty cool. I haven't designed anything yet. Um, I don't know what to do with them right now. They're in a, I went and read at Literacy Day at my kid's school last week. So I brought in six of them with me and all the kids had them on and oh, that's they're awesome. loving it. So, so that's like my, my main collection is the, is the helmets. Okay. So everyone has different things that they keep. I think helmets are great. By the way, I'm going to send you a link to a Zoom we did with Roberto Luongo because he has a killer wall built that was his backdrop of this Zoom that is all his masks. And it cool. is it is gorgeous. I'll have to send you that one. It's, we've had a lot of comments on it over the years. It might be the best Zoom backdrop we've ever seen, but also maybe the best mask display. So I'll forward that one. I do got to ask because I was actually talking to your painter just last week. I had to do a magazine feature for the upcoming stadium series game uh, on goalies and expressing themselves. So I reached out to Jesse because where does that Cardinals outdoor Bush stadium game mask rank? Cause that might be one of my favorites. Yeah, that's up there. That's gotta be like, granted I didn't wear it as much like different helmets have different. um, But like, yeah, that's one of the coolest masks. Jesse did such a good job and he was honestly the best to work with because he, he had, he was so like feisty and loved like intense ideas. And we, we did a lot of half and half splits, which I love, which really isn't my personality, but I felt it was almost like that alter ego. I see this bad, badass helmet and I put it on and it made me feel like when I got on the rink, that was like my, you know, I'm going to work and I'm doing my thing. And, and he was so good and creative over the years. I'm very, very grateful. Um, and that winter classic one, I remember the MLB actually wanted it for the hall of fame. Um, and so I got the letter. I was excited. This is great. And then they're like, I was like, well, what happens? They're like, well, will you just give it to us and we just keep it. And I was like, I don't know if I can justify doing that selfishly. Right. I was like, I, I want this one for my own collection. Well, not to mention there, if I'm not mistaken, there's an Ozzy Smith autograph on the back of it. Is there not? There is. That was actually great. When Ozzy came to see it, I had all the retired players um, from the Cardinals and, and he came to the dressing room to see it and he just grabbed it. He's like, do you want me to sign it? And I was like, sign away i don't care let's do it and then during the game i had it signed and it had the signature on the back because i we hadn't played the game yet so i was wearing it with the aussie smith signature on it on the back he was doing the backflip on the back plate He's i doing, thought yeah, that was we perfect put him on the back doing the backflip yeah it was kind of a great idea so i kind of wanted to evolve that and then we had the general idea and then i just give it to jesse and he just knocks it out of the park every time awesome awesome okay hey listen i i am actually going to let you go i am glad you're staying involved in the game uh at, in thunder bay and at whatever level you choose to stay involved, because it's better with Carter. The game of hockey is better with Carter Hutton Paul, <laughs> just so I can have these conversations with you. Um, I am going to bug you again, because uh, when I hear you and Colin are putting on a camp in the summer, uh, my eyes light up and the, the thoughts of Ingoal Magazine maybe being able to get there and see you guys work. And, you know, if you guys would be into it, share some of the tips that you're sharing with these these kids in Thunder Bay to a broader audience, um, you know, two of the great minds in goaltending. We'd love to be a part of that. And uh, just just quickly, uh, where can people, if they're looking to reach out, like have you guys got a website? If they're looking to sort of, you know, maybe visit Thunder Bay for a camp, we can do Thunder Bay tourism here. Is there is there any spot where they can track you down, Carter? 
we're, we're coming up with it right now. We're just kind of working on our logo because he's just, we're just rebranding, but you can keep an eye out on my Instagram. Um, okay. I'm going to kind of start turning my Instagram into our platform uh, to use that. Um, so it's just Huts40 on Instagram. I think that's what it is. I don't know. It's been a while. I never really used my Instagram too much, but I'm just starting to get back into it. And I'm, I'm going to try to create even on there some highlights of my masks and some different career mixed in with the camp. So you can just follow me on social media and uh, we'll definitely keep everybody up to date. Perfect. Carter, thanks so much for your time today. Really enjoyed this and I know our audience will too. Okay, thanks, Kev. Always great talking to you. Okay, Woody, that was another great chat you had with Carter. Uh, as a coach, I really enjoyed his insights because you could sort of hear as you were talking, he's in this mode right now where he's developing his own coaching philosophy and tying together his development as a pro and now how that applies to younger goalies. So it got me thinking about my own coaching. And, and as a parent, I love the bits about just playing. Like, don't worry about your glove position. Just go out there and play the game. Well, you remember we had that series at the old website. We should probably rehash that one where he talked about, you know, one of the ways that he maintained that in the National Hockey League was to make sure he didn't shy away from the drills that a lot of goalies get sick of, like the battle drills at the end of practice that were, you know, that's life as a backup. And yeah, some of them weren't game realistic. Like some of them were very unfriendly to goalies. And we have this conversation a lot. And I've been guilty in the past of being like, oh yeah, like practice sucks for goalies. Like how do you manage it? And he's like, no, man, you embrace it. You mm -hmm. find ways to battle and compete because you're going to get into unpredictable situations that aren't goalie friendly in games too. And if you've got that point of reference for some instinctual saves, if you've done it before, you don't get frozen in a technical box. You're willing to go outside it because you've done it. We've heard that from other guys, Chris Dreger, guys over the years that have talked about how they battle in practice, especially when they're backup role. And they're not really, you know, as worried about conserving the energy of maybe a starter who's going every second night, how that fuels into their game when they do get a chance to play. And so some really good lessons there. And um, there were some really good articles. I think we did like a three or four part series back in the day on the old old website. We might have to mm -hmm. have to pull that one out of the archives and 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 put it up on the new site. Yeah, I mean, look, I've said similar things to many a young goaltender. When you're in those unfriendly situations, how many coaches have two on O drills, three on O drills, and it drives young goalies who think they have to make every save crazy. And I just say, look, this is your chance to be a hero. They're supposed to score on every rep, so you make a save, you're a star. And I've seen a lot of kids really embrace that and they just love those opportunities. And it, it's all mindset. Yeah, no, 100%. And like I said, we've, we've been, I've been guilty of writing those articles in the past and, and about how the one thing I would say on that is the pacing, you know, like, yeah, you're, you, yeah. and you can't try and like, if you try and make everyone or you're trying to cheat or you get into, that's where you can get into bad habits. There are ways to approach these drills that allow you to take them away, like you said, mindset wise, as a positive. And put yourself in a situation where like Carter, like Carter battled for everything in his career. And I thought he had some great insights there uh, about the mindset that went into that. Hey, hey, how about the breathing advice? Like, how about, you know, for all we thought yeah, of Marty, Marty Brodeur, yeah. we all thought about Marty Brodeur as just playing purely on instinct. How about that guy with advice on breathing techniques that allowed Carter to get out of the, take some of the, because he battled so hard, but sometimes you could get a little, you know, intensity can become tension. And there was a little bit of that in his game. So breathing tips from Marty Brodeur, allowing him to relax a little bit, still compete, 
but without as much sort of spring-loaded tension in his game, as we said, Ian Clark always says, tension is the enemy of goaltending. So the ability to have intensity, and Henrik Lundqvist used this term with me years ago. He was trying to find a state of relaxed intensity. There's some advice from Marty Berder on how you can use breathing to find that relaxed intensity. That was basically my mantra when I played. You know, that two-word thing you say to yourself as you're getting set, and mine would be relax and intense. And that didn't come from Henrik Lundqvist. That just came from the depths of my own mind trying to sort myself out because I could see that if I got intense, you just, you've got to be careful you don't overdo it, right? But the other thing for me is, you know, we've talked here before, especially I remember that chat with Brian DeCord recently, that goalie might be the one position where we need to play more games and maybe practice less. So hearing Carter talk about ways to break, you know, decision-making and unpredictability into drills, I think that's important stuff for coaches to listen to. Yeah, no, it's a lot of good stuff in there from Carter Hutton. And now that he's in his coaching career, we hope to have him back on a lot more often. I was, I was pretty excited when he reached out um, just to touch base because he'd settled back home and hadn't talked to him since he'd retired. I'm like, hey, good to hear from you. Good to chat. And I need you on the podcast. And so (laughs) right now, (laughs) yeah, the uh, the intensity he brought to it, um, the passion, it comes through. Right. And with all due respect, Hutch, I love that you came up with relaxed intensity first. But you know that I'm a name dropping SOB. So I'm still going to refer to myself learning that from Henrik Lundqvist instead of David Hutchison. I apologize for that. No, that's okay. Maybe he learned it from me. We'll never know. So our thanks to Sensorina, of course, Carter Hutton again for bringing us that interview. Okay, Woody. Yes. Over at Ingoal, you've got an extended pro read, pro tip with world junior gold medalist Thomas Millich. And I think we both saw him use the overlap pretty extensively in the world juniors. I'm not sure he made a single save on his post in the RVH. Uh, So you went and did a deep dive with him. Yeah, I mean, he was so good on the podcast and he talked about overlap. And I got to be honest, when he talked about overlap on the podcast, he he didn't really talk about this specific version of it, that he was kind of flattening out the inside. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of coaches are going to bristle because the word panda's back and they hate it. Um, and a lot of them don't like the technique. Uh, they, they feel like flattening out and not being square. As he told us in the article, it felt a little odd. But understanding your coverage in very specific situation, folks, this is not a do this all the time type of thing. Um, For some goalies, this is something that works. For Dustin Wolf, who may be on his way to a second straight American Hockey League Goalie of the Year award the way he's playing, this works. This is a specific application for a specific sequence that at the right time in the right place works for him. And so the fact that Thomas discovered it on in goal made it that much cooler. But then the fact that it, it had such a positive influence on, on, his, on his play at the World Juniors and he was willing to walk through some of the video, I'd really encourage everyone to go look at it. And remember, folks, these are tools in the toolbox. We're not showing you this so that everyone goes out and does this all the time, every time. This is something that you might like. This is something you might not like. But the idea, to me, it was just proof positive of the importance of introducing new ideas through in goal because in this case, it worked for this goalie. For this goalie on one of the biggest stages you can have in junior hockey, it worked and it worked successfully. And I'm sure there are coaches that are going to look at those clips and be like, I didn't like the exposure here. I didn't like that. And I wouldn't teach that. We're going to hear a lot of that. I guarantee. I can already see the IG post coming now. Um, But guess what? 
for him in terms of trusting his coverage and trusting the when he used it, trusting his ability to react to those short side high shots and still have the ability to get around on a wraparound or get across if there was a lateral pass, this worked. And interestingly enough, and I got to I got to hit this up because um, you know when we introduced it with Thomas Spear, he wasn't aware either. I'd forgotten all about it. But the concept, the idea, it was called a, a, an overlap reverse. Eight years ago, we mm-hmm. had an article on the old website from Charlie McTavish, who's now with the Arizona Coyotes, Paul Schoenfelder, who's now with the Carolina Hurricanes, and Eli Rassi, who used to write for us. They they were all coaching um, at a company called Complete Goalie Development, CGD in Ottawa. And mm-hmm. they had some goalies that were struggling with reverse. Um, the physiology of it, not having the height. And this was a workaround they came up with too. It was just called something different. I'd almost forgot about it completely. So um, the concept's not entirely new. Uh, it, it, that's not to, like I know when Thomas and Jordan Sigalet and Dustin Wolf sort of came up with it as a solution for some of the issues Wolfie was having. They hadn't seen that article, so this isn't uh, we did it first or they like just again like this is about the importance of shared voices and shared ideas. And you know we always talk about being willing to try new things, but then also understanding what your foundation is and what works within your foundation and what doesn't. And that's a balance every goalie has to find. Carter Hutton, you know, talked about it a little bit. Our guest next week, Oscar Dansk, who's had a whole bunch of different voices. He talks about it. So um, I think it's a really, I don't say, I, I hesitate to say important article because that seems like we're patting ourselves on the back and we're being self-serving. But, you know, I think it's, I, th- I think there's value there. For some goalies, they're going to look at that and want to try it, and it might help them. For other goalies, it might not. Like that's just, but that's what we do. We're not telling you how to play. We're not a end all be all. We're showing you things that work for other goalies and see if it works for you. And, and here's what what's important about it to me, Woody. And and if you're one of those guys that is going to have a knee jerk reaction and start talking about everything that's wrong with it, it's a solution to a problem, and it might not be for you. But if you're that guy who's trashing this technique because you think it's got holes in it, you're probably also trashing the persistent use of RVH in every situation. So what's your solution? You know, that's what I love about this. Somebody has looked at a problem. They've tried to create a solution. It may work for you. It may not. But if it doesn't, let's come up with another solution as well. It's the evolution of goaltending that I think is so exciting. And I think this is a big step. If I can put my parent hat on, Woody, I've had a lot of parents reach out and say, is in-goal good for my nine-year-old, for my 11-year-old, for my 13-year-old? It seems like really high-level stuff. Here's how I would use it as a parent of a young goaltender. Here's how I do use it as a parent of a young goaltender. Send them the link to this one article or to this week's pro read when, when it comes out and just say, hey, go watch the video. You don't have to read the whole article. There's even a button at the top of most of our pro reads saying, just skip the reading, take me to the pro read and let your young kid just watch Thomas Millich this week, walk you through. There's three different videos in there. Just watch those videos. What do you take in from it? It's not necessarily that you have to play the game this particular way, but listen to him talk about his decision-making process and how he reads the game and how he adjusts his situation, his approach to every situation. Just that five minute of video watching each week for a young goaltender, I think is worth every penny you'd spend on in goal and then some. It's funny because, uh, 
you know, flattening out on purpose, as much as Millich talks about, it felt awkward, like not being square felt awkward on purpose. Right. And we Mm -hmm. see it on a two on one, like we'll see a goalie flatten out the back leg, expecting a pass on a two on one. Mm-hmm. Right, like it happens all the time. Happened in the National Hockey League last game before the All Star break. Ilya Samsonov got flat, expecting a pass on a two on one. The shooter saw that he flattened out and ripped him over the glove side shoulder because that's where he'd lost his angle. That's what he'd pulled away from from protecting the net. Um, the difference here is so like the, like that's just a read, right? That's a goalie making a read. I'm going to flatten out here to shorten my path to a push. Well, the guy shot and he took advantage of that. The different one of the differences here is when you flatten out from that angle, because of the angle, you're not giving away that far side net if you allow it to get that deep because there's not much net anyway. Again, mm-hmm. like it's just it's Situation. all about it's situational and about reading again. And when we share these things, it's not this is your new technique, you have to go do it. It's hey, if you're having problems in these situations, here's a solution you might want to consider. Give it a go. Give it a go and practice because you're going to have lots of practice time to try these things. Okay, Woody, can you give us a sneak peek into next week's episode? I know all my mistakes early on pretty much told everybody everything, but sum it up for us. Oscar Dance will be joining us in episode 204. Now that we wrap up 203, um, we'll get into his roots. Very unique background uh, from Sweden, played in Stockholm, went to high school. At Shattuck St. Mary's, went back to Sweden, came back to the OHL, spent some time as a kid on Vancouver Island in your neck of the woods, Hutch, just up the road. Yep, at Golden the Net, because he had been to a Golden the Net camp in Sweden, which, if I'm not mistaken, the franchise may have been owned. There was an involvement, whether it was Robin Lehner's dad or Henrik Lundqvist. There was involvement there. I know in Finland, we've talked to Alexander Georgiev of the Colorado Avalanche now about his time going to the Finnish version of Gold in the Net, which was owned by Frederick Norena, formerly of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So a lot of sort of like small world tie-ins, um, but also some great advice as he navigated sort of two worlds of goaltending, uh, two styles of play from Europe to over here. And we'll get into the myth, the legend, the story of Oscar Dance teaching Sergei Bobrovsky the reverse VH at the, at the request of Ian Clark when they were all with the Columbus Blue Jackets. How much is true? How much has been overdone? Uh, Oscar Dance gets us into that. So some great stuff from Oscar. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, Hutch mentioned blade profiling on the gear segment. I'm not getting, I, I hate to do this to him because he's done such a great job coming off the bench and filling in for Darren. Um, but we're going to send him back to the backup role uh, because next week is actually the Warrior G6 redo. And then the week after, we'll have the blade profiling story. So stay tuned. We'll get into the G6. You didn't even tell me about the Warrior new inventory. Okay, it's not really your fault. I'm not, you can't, that, no. And the blade profiling, folks, custom blade profiling. We know about it for players, like what it actually is and what it can do for your game. We finally got into it for goaltending. So we're going to have an article to go with that one. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, I've tried some custom profiling on my blade. Uh, really enjoyed the difference it's made. Cam's going to walk us through what are your options and what difference that what, what does it really do to how your blade sits on the ice? What edges you grab when you're pushing left and right from your knees, things like that. So looking forward to that one in a couple of weeks. But first, Warrior G6 and Oscar Dance next week on the end goal radio podcast well Woody 
Thanks to you being here with all your great insights and expertise. I think you've outscored me and all the saves I didn't come up with today. And we managed to get a couple of points out of this episode, even with the backup in the chair. Now, our thanks to the Hockey Shop Shorts for Sports Langley and thehockeyshop.com, as well as Sensorina VR Training for Goalies. And of course, our thanks to you, wherever you're listening. We sincerely appreciate you allowing us to join you on your journey through this amazing world of goaltending. On behalf of Darren Millard and Kevin Woodley, I'm David Hutchison. Enjoy the All-Star Weekend. Good luck and have fun out there on the ice this week. We'll see you next week here on the In Goal Radio podcast. <laughs>